All right. This the the thing that I'm I'm thinking about tonight is how um, VCs, well, capital allocators in general, um, how are they gonna create uh, or differentiate themselves from the competition uh, next year, or maybe the next eighteen months? You know, because I think the the consensus is, or at least the consensus I'm starting to piece together from talking with colleagues in the VC space, colleagues in the angel investing place space, friends that are founders. Um, everybody's bracing for a painful 2023 Q1, Q2. And coming out of that, what we might see um, is... You know the 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 startups that weren't weren't really built for um, hard times, right? Like, you know, they maybe they had a really good idea, but um, you know, the timing of that idea might not be at venture scale in the next eighteen eighteen twenty four months, right? Um, as well as fund managers or VCs that, you know, it's going to be really hard for them to do capital calls um, now uh, heading into, heading into, you know, kind of recessionary times. Um, You know, (laughs) you don't want to be the VC calling an LP to pull money out of the market in in you know this environment right so so some of the the funds that were um and new fund managers definitely going to see the the ones that actually have the staying power stick around stick around and the rest might you know consolidate or team up or go back on the startup side or something, right? And I think this is a good thing because, man, there was a time there where, you know, how do I say this? There's there's hubris and ego on both sides, right? There were VCs that were very, there's so much deal flow that, it was less about how they could help the founders um, and more about themselves and their brand, right? And on the founder side, you know, you can sneeze and get ridiculous term sheets, multiple term sheets without any due diligence, right? So um, there's a little bit of, of arrogance and hubris there as well. And I think, you know, now that we're heading into this market correction, valuations are going to get back to where they should be. Um, And, you know, people are going to be a little bit more reasonable in their expectations and just how they interact with each other. And I think that that's that's a good thing. Um, It would be a good thing in the long term. Uh, Side note, there 
you know, the, the whole idea of a unicorn, <laughs> I'm hearing, uh, you know, folks frame up that we're about to head into a unicorn slaughter season. Um, but coming out of it, we're going to see more dragons being born. And I'm not hearing it catch on. Jason Calacanis was the one who, who had that, who made that, that, that statement. Um, and it, it resonated with me because when I think about a dragon, and it may just be because I'm, you know, big, uh, uh, um, House of Dragons fan, and just that whole series, um, that you kind of, when I hear the word dragon, I think of, you know, large scale, I think of resilience, um, and just being able to, you know, crush the competition, weather any storm, all that good stuff. So, um, and yeah, like baby dragons that are disciplined grow to be, you know, continue to grow. They, they survive, right? To be, to be big and revered mythical beasts. So you think about coming out of this recession, um, you know, what are some of the companies, the people that have been laid off from tech firms are going to be the same people that build the next generation of um, sustainable and just like resilient startups. Because I think, you know, it's one thing to have gone through the dot-com bubble back in the day. Um, it's a completely different story to be, to have come through a global pandemic and an economic downturn. Like, think about that. Like, when you think about the the companies that have stood the test of time, are built on found business, you know, fundamentals, have, you know, defined company cultures. I'm thinking specifically of, of Amazon, right? Like, you know, they have this mythology of the you know the first the first set of uh executive desks were made out of ikea ikea um ikea doors turned into you know laid laid flat and on um stands and that that was the desk right and it was a symbol of of just fiscal discipline right you know there's a I feel like there's a couple founders that have been just raised their Series A that I've been chatting with, and you know they're in that phase now where they're now about to start hiring. They're flushed with a little bit more cash. Um, they're no longer bootstrapping. They're drawing a a decent salary for themselves. And the question is, you know, how do I? That they're asking um, is, you know, how do we maintain that same level of discipline? in in these in these times right um you know my team wants to hire marketing people they want to hire more developer talent um they want to get involved in in social issues you know how do i how do i define my company culture and 
I share that story. I, I, I say read, read a lot of the books um, about Amazon and their, you know, the early days of Amazon. Like watch, listen to podcasts about about how Jeff thought and and, and talked about um, the company. Uh, Working backwards is a great book on that, and just read the read the shareholder letters. See how he communicated with the with the public markets, and by extension, his team. Right, the tone, um, the commitment to innovation, but at the same time, you know, being fiscally disciplined to preserve the ability to take big bets. You know, those are the things that you know founders should be investing in. Um, building that myth mythology around their company um, you know in this in this season and I think about you know the and I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I believe this fully but it's 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 an interesting narrative that you know VCs early on really focused on you know, being founder first, and I, uh, Andreessen Horowitz was the kind of the the, the firm that popularized this um, of saying, "Look, you're the builder, you're the visionary, you're the founder. We're going to help you fill the gaps with the things that you don't know how to do, um, so you can continue to be, you know, the, the the steward of your company, right? And that whole ethos." spread throughout the the valley and those same founders invested in building company cultures that looked a lot like you know innovation the college campus google is a great example of this um but now as more and more founders get minted from these you know essentially cash cows that are just generating like enormous amounts of revenue and they want to start companies they want the same if not more from the from the VCs so you know the 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 the, the narrative here I'm kind of hearing is these are the the way things are today is a result of the slow build over time venture capitalists invested in uh, giving founders disproportionate power those founders built massively successful companies the employees of those companies understood they've only known a certain way of of living right um or working those same talented engineers developers they spun out became the next generation of founders with the same expectations if not a little bit more and now the the pendulum is swinging back with a little bit more um disciplined or at least intentional conversations around some of these some of these key issues um so yeah i i I think it's a good thing um in the long term um that was a little bit of a 
of a ramble there, uh, stream of consciousness, if you will. But circling back around to the to the initial thinking that led to this post was okay. Well, if we're gonna see more resilient founders, right? Um, dragons, if you will, companies uh, born out of this economic environment, and we're also gonna see, you know, VCs or capital allocators get really intentional with, you know, they, there's more capital to be deployed as we start to see more consolidation, and there's more, and there's less opportunities that are out there. How does uh, a VC firm differentiate themselves? Because everybody has access to the same network. If I'm a founder, um, or I've been advising founders, you know, you don't need warm intros. Well, you do, but they don't have the same cachet as they did before. Because you, because if you're smart and you're resilient, you can get into the rooms, right? You, you've got LinkedIn, which um, makes everyone, you know, that has an account accessible. You layer on a tool like Apollo.io or Seamless AI um, or Lucia. You can find their phone number, phone numbers, emails. So then, at that point, it's a it's a sales exercise, right? Are you do you have a compelling enough sales story or narrative that you can use to? to get that meeting, right? Um, so that'd be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I think one way that VC firms can differentiate at the seed, series A and beyond is, you know, be the, be the firm that has a systematic way of helping the founders in your portfolio become, um, and again, I'm not a huge fan of the word personal brand, but become media outlets themselves. I know A16Z tried to create their own, um, their own news publication called The Future that, that, and they just ended it. But I still think there's a there there, right? Like if you, if you're a VC firm, let's say you are, um, let's call it, creator capital i'm just making up a vc firm here and you say like look we get the same amount of access to lps everybody else um and we are gonna turn our founders into their own media brands in the seed stage um yeah at the seed stage you you're able to help them be uh, interesting enough for reporters to want to write about them, right? And they can start to build their own audience, their own following, right, of customers. Because um, they're going to be doing the selling in the early days. As they find product market fit and they start to look at what comes next, you can help them become uh lando's first few customers right you can help them turn those customers into uh stories and testimonials around that publicly right so you're in the seed it's about the founder 
you build on that story to the series uh, between seed and series A to acquire more customers. And then from there, now all the while that's happening, the VC firm is able to, if they're smart, the partners, the investors are just as active celebrating the wins and the fact that they invested in these companies helping to amplify that story, right? So I think the VC, there's going to be a VC firm that differentiate themselves by, you know, helping founders and their teams and founding teams become content creators themselves without compromising their ability to build the product, right? So, I don't know, a bit of a, a few ideas getting bounced around. It's not fully formed. I'm sure I'll come, come back to it. But, yeah, I've been talking with a few creators and storytellers, specifically around video and photography, and just asking them, like, you know, if you were starting today from scratch and this is what a VC wanted to hire you to do in-house to help them build this, what would it look like? And some of the ideas that I've been been getting are actually pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, as I continue to flesh out this idea, I'll be sure to continue to quote unquote blog about it here. But but there is there's definitely there's definitely something here uh, worth exploring. Oh, all right, Kingston's ready to get back inside. It is freezing out. If you can't tell. My, my breathing is a little shallow here because, jeez, it's cold. Anyway, all right, until, until tomorrow.